Just like facts have no place with an organized religion. Michael Graff. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done. And then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. The Michael Graff Show. Hi, it's a kite, everybody. Goofballs. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know, it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. First show of the new year. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. And I don't know. It feels it feels like not much has really changed, actually. It is Tuesday, January 4th, 2011. We're just uh, one year away from the end of the world, allegedly. You know, according because some guy uh, many many years ago, many uh, many centuries ago, stopped making a calendar. Probably got distracted with some other projects, so now people foretell that it is the end of the world in uh, in about a year. Well, actually, according to the Mayan calendar, I believe the or according to the the people that follow the Mayan calendar, that the world is going to end on December twenty first, twenty twelve. All right, well that makes sense. That's that's perfectly logical. Thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciated. Contact information for our program is mike at kmgx.com. That is the email address. It's mike at kmgx.com. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. That is M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet IRC, the channel, net radio, and of course, the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. That's where you go for uh, everything else Michael Graff related. You can also donate to our program. And I want to uh, give a special uh, special shout-out uh, to uh, James uh, for donating uh, most recently. Every dollar helps us to stay on the air, helps us keep this uh, program going uh, even stronger than ever. And that's what we're doing here in 2011. So Mike at KMGX.com, that is our PayPal address for your most generous monetary contributions to this program. All right, that's all the sort of house cleaning stuff that we always uh, use to uh, get out of the way here at the beginning of the program. I don't know, maybe the end of the world is near. I mean, maybe we are drawing closer to the inevitable Armageddon. It sort of seems that way sometimes. I know uh, we've got birds dropping out of the sky just randomly. We have thousands of birds that are just dying. Thousands of birds that just fall out of the sky. We've got, uh, what else here? We've got uh, fish. We've got plenty of dead fish 
in Arkansas. Just, again, tens of thousands of dead fish that they found. Uh, we have... You know, this this massive blizzard that hit the East Coast, in spite of the fact that we're still being told about global warming. And, and it's weird. Then when you call people out on the idea of global warming, then they always say, no, Mike, it's not. See, you don't understand. See, it's not really global warming. It's actually global climate change. I'm like, so you can't really win with this argument, right? Because if it snows... It's global warming or it's climate change. If it doesn't snow, then it's a result of climate change. If it's too dry, too wet, too hot, or too cold, it is the result of global climate change. That's, uh, that's super. So you could, you could look at any kind of event that occurs in weather. If it's too far above normal, too far below normal. If it's too much in between, if there's, just a, if there's an extreme weather event anywhere, you can immediately blame it on global climate change. I see that that's how that works. So, But we had this big blizzard. We even had some very cold weather here in the southwest. Uh, all kinds of, uh, well, if not record lows, then near record lows in a lot of places. Experiencing all kinds of unusual... I mean, we even had some snowflakes here in the Phoenix metro area. Uh, last uh, Thursday, out in the uh, Northwest Valley, out toward Anthem, they had a few uh, snowflakes that were flying out in the East Valley as well. None here at our uh, palatial studios, but uh, it was certainly plenty cold. And uh, man, just it was. It's just been a weird uh, few days. So we'll take you through all of that. Uh, 2010 is over with. It's behind us. It's done. I hope you got to check out our uh, podcasts, our 2010 Year in Review podcasts. Uh, we posted those. And uh, we had lots of great stuff on there. And, you know, I didn't even get to all the uh, cool bits. We could have even done a part three to the 2010 year in review. And uh, some people even sent in some suggestions for things that they would like to hear. Maybe we'll just get to those periodically or we'll uh, put those on a future best of edition of the Michael Groff show. So uh, 2010 behind us. I got to tell you, um, you know, a, uh, a year I won't soon forget. It's it's done uh, there were some 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 highs, some definite lows, some weirds, and uh, it's it's over with, and uh, that's that's fine by me, I guess. Um, I brought in 2011. I got to tell you this. So, you know, everybody uh, asks, uh, how did you how did you bring in the new year, Mike? Well, my uh, my 2011 sort of uh, began just as 2010 did. I, I was here. Um, I was by myself. Uh, and I know this is going to sound completely lame, but um, so all of my friends here, here's what happened. So everybody was out either what happened, either people were working and couldn't hang out or uh, people were broke and couldn't hang out or people were already out, you know, out of town or whatever, doing other plans. So uh, what happened on New Year's Eve, I uh, fell asleep at about eight o'clock at night and in typical me fashion, I slept for about two hours. Uh, I woke up and then I was like, well, I guess I might as well check out the festivities and see what's going on. You know, I could have, I guess, gone to a bar by myself or something, but that's kind of lame. So I, I just decided I was just going to sit here. I was just going to hang out here and uh, bring in the new year in grand style uh, at my house. So that's what <laughs> that's pretty much what I did. So I um, I was here. It was uh, it I, I, of course, I mean, why not? Why not really bring in the new year in style and uh, turn on uh, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve or New Year's Rockin' Eve? And uh, I got to tell you something. 
you know, and, and I bring this up every year. This is just a a thing that I always mention every single year. And I know I, I used to get a lot of hate mail about this. I used to get a lot of a lot of people that would say, oh, come on, Mike. I mean, really? Um, but I, I have to tell you, um, I don't know, man. Maybe Dick Clark ought to really give it up. And I admire Dick Clark a lot. There, there's very few people in broadcasting you'll ever hear that I admire. Uh, my list is very, very short. Um, I only admire people in broadcasting that have really uh, done something to pioneer the business that are truly original people or people that have really pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and, and really made something of themselves. You know, there's there's like four people in, in this entire industry that I really, really admire and, and respect. And I got to tell you, Dick Clark is one of those guys. Uh, this is a guy. He was a music mogul back in the 50s and 60s, a, an entrepreneur. Yeah, he was a big host as well. He had American Bandstand. He did, you know, $25,000 and $100,000 pyramid. Uh, and, and really, by all accounts, genuinely speaking, a nice guy in the business who started out very humble and, uh, and grew and, and is worth probably about a billion dollars. And then he had that stroke a few years back, and it was very, very sad. And uh, he still tried to host that show. And, and I give him all the credit and accolades in the world for still wanting to do what he wants to do in spite of it. But I got to tell you, it is just sad. It's just depressing because... You see, he's he's almost being he's being treated like like second fiddle now to Ryan Seacrest. And that just makes me upset. I mean, anytime you see poor old Dick Clark and now it's it's almost like he's being talked down to by Ryan Seacrest. Uh, that is always what uh, what makes it very sad. So I know that if you were out having a New Year's party someplace, if you're out at a home and um, and, and you were having, um, you know, hanging out, bringing in the new year. And you had Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve on. It's got to be depressing. Now, this year, he didn't screw up the countdown too badly like he did last year. Remember, we played that audio. That was uh, that was a little sad. But nonetheless, it was still um, just a little bit. It was still a little bit, uh, still a little bit of a downer here. In case you missed it, here was Dick Clark bringing in the new year. This is actually kind of funny because at the beginning, you'll hear uh, Ryan Seacrest is up there. He's asking some random people about their New Year's resolution. And I, I just thought this part was a little bit funny, too. Check this out. So th there's a little bonus as well. Fantastic job tonight. We are, what, 58 and 40. There you go. Not far now. You guys made your resolutions? Uh, to act uh, like an adult in 2011. It's impossible. Come on. How about your resolutions? Not become a douchebag? You can do that. What's your resolution, Brian? Uh, you know, read more and spend more time with my loved ones. Ah, well said. All right, we are a minute away. Can you feel the booms, the excitement, the energy? The magic is about to happen. And the man is going to do it for us right now. Let's go to the master. It is the time for Dick Clark to take over and count us down. Dick. Uh. Thank you, my friend. Now, the moment we've all been waiting for. It's coming right up. You're going to hear a roar of the crowd, and believe me, you will never, ever forget it. Are you ready? Hand it down. Ready? Okay, here we go now. 24, 23, 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, oh, poor 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. 
everyone. Happy New Year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm sorry, Dick. Uh, that's the, I mean, it's just I feel bad for the guy. I really do. I mean, part of me thinks, you know, it's great that he's doing what he wants to do. It's it's great that he's he's out here. He's doing it. But boy, part of me is just uh, I'm I'm just I'm sitting here and I, I just feel this incredible kind of sadness. Ryan Seacrest is up there having fun. Dick. Oh, man. You know, it was great about that, too. You know, at the time that this was going on, while well, they were having the big New Year's festivities in Times Square. It was 42 degrees while they were counting down to New Year's here in Phoenix. It was about 10 degrees colder. It was freezing here. <laughs> we had that later that night. We had lows in the 20s in most places here. It was warmer in New York. Not too often that happens where it's warmer in New York City. Uh, than it is in Phoenix, Arizona on New Year's. Just about any time. It's very rare that it's warmer there than here, but especially uh, you would think New Year would be uh, much colder. But All right, so that was how I brought in the the New Year um, for me. And, uh, you know, and then Saturday, uh, New Year's Day was, was interesting. I got to tell you, so I've lived in Phoenix 28 and a half years, and it never has this happened to me. Um, I was out walking. I, uh, I actually... Um, my mom got me uh, for Christmas, among other things, just little stocking stuffers. She got me these uh, these uh, scratch tickets, you know, these little scratchers from the Arizona lottery. And, you know, there's these things you can win up to $50,000 or something. So I, I had one of those. So she gave me a couple of those, scratched one of them off, and uh, I got a, uh, I won $20. So I was, ah, I was like, great, this is cool. So finally on New Year's Day, I said, well, I'll just, I'll walk over to Circle K and I'll redeem this and it'll all be good. So I'm walking uh, down the street by my house and uh, it's about 1 p.m. on New Year's Day and I'm out there walking on the sidewalk and, uh, I, and I see coming up, there's, there's this building where they always have these sprinklers on and everything and, and um, so the, the sidewalk is generally always wet right here for some reason. So I get up there and I discover that as, I, as just as I'm about to step on it, I go, wait a minute, that's not water, that's ice. And I step and I slip on the ice and I just, I fall right on my ass. I fall on the ice. Um, I, uh, I get a nice uh, abrasion on my hand, but otherwise really nothing too bad. I crack my head a little bit on the, uh, on the sidewalk too. I mean, I just went flat. I mean, just perfectly horizontal right on my ass. And uh, luckily, I didn't hit my head too hard. I, uh, I, I was okay. But anyway, um, so yeah, I, I, went fly, I, I went flying. I, I walked. I went flying. I fell and, and uh, got a little, little abrasion, a little cut up there. And uh, it, this ice was probably about a quarter of an inch, an eighth to a quarter of an inch thick on the sidewalk. It wasn't going anywhere. It was 1 p.m. It was still only 44 degrees out. So this ice was still there. So, you know, it's just like I, I even when I even when I get a, a winning lottery ticket, there's always got to be a catch. I mean, everything in life <laughs> for me, it's like everything always comes with a with a with a small, a small catch. The uh, the black lining to the otherwise silver cloud, as it were. So that's <laughs> I just thought that was uh, kind of ironic. So what a way to start out the year slipping on ice in Phoenix, Arizona, of all things. Never thought that would happen to me. But um, but that's weird. Yeah, so I mentioned uh, there's there's been these birds that have just been falling out of the sky in in places 
randomly. Now, this is strange. Uh, this happened uh, on New Year's Day as well. Officials aren't really sure what the deal is. They say that, uh, well, they have a, a very interesting sort of justification, but hundreds, this is, uh, well, actually thousands, about five to 6,000 birds just have been falling out of the sky across Arkansas. Uh, this happened on Saturday, and officials aren't exactly sure what the deal is, and uh, these are uh, only, uh, well, about five to 6,000 of them kept just dropping out of the sky. Uh, some people reported as many as uh, as a hundred of them falling into their own backyards and they can't figure out what the deal is. Well, of course, some officials say that this is the result of fireworks that were set off. Fireworks were to blame for these birds uh, spontaneously dying in Arkansas. You know, people having New Year's festivities and setting off fireworks. Uh, I don't buy it for a second. I mean, you'd have to be, even if you stood there with a gun, I mean, even if you were standing there with an assault rifle trying to pick off birds as they were flying overhead, there's no way that unless, I mean, you would have to have just a ton of people shooting up into the air, shooting fireworks up into the air, specifically at birds, you're never going to be able to hit that many birds. So that's that just doesn't seem like a logical or rational explanation for what the hell's going on. How it is that birds just mysteriously die another uh, strange another explanation was of course that uh, they ran into some hail that all these birds they ran into a a storm and that the hail killed them i guess uh, they did have some severe weather across arkansas uh, last week but i don't think that that uh, was the case on saturday and uh, that that doesn't happen either because there's hailstorms that happen all the time across arkansas particularly in the spring and spring is a great migratory time for birds. And you don't see birds just dropping out of the sky all over the place then. And uh, well, we had hail here uh, last week. We've had hail here many times as well. You don't just see thousands and thousands of birds dropping dead. So I don't buy that explanation either. Also, coincidentally, or not so much so, because of course I don't believe in coincidence. You had uh, in, also in Arkansas, you have about 20,000 fish that have died. It's in this uh, small uh, portion of the Arkansas River. There's about a 20-mile stretch of the Arkansas River or a 20-mile square mile area that uh, these fish have just been dying. And they say it's just one specific kind of fish for the most part. And uh, they, they say that the two incidents, the birds dropping dead and the fish dying, are not at all connected. I know, I feel like that, I feel like that bad, so I feel like uh, that Mercy, Mercy Me song. Oh, fish full of mercury. Yeah, I feel I feel like we're I feel like we're living that song right now. Here we go. The the depressing song that is this. This is the bed we should probably be using underneath this story. Anyway, that's uh, depressing enough. Thank you. Not only that, though, but uh, this is sort of on the heels. There's a story. I don't know if we did this story on the show or not. A couple of months ago, there was a story about uh, birds that were just randomly dropping dead in New Jersey as well. Now, I just figured that that's a product of being in New Jersey. Um, you're going to drop dead. If you're in New Jersey, it, you know, there's just 
at that point, you've got no real reason to live. So, you know, you the birds realize, oh, crap, I'm in New Jersey, and they just dropped dead. They just committed harakiri. But no, um, so there's that. And now we have another story about randomly uh, dying birds. Here you go. Hundreds of dead and dying birds littered a quarter-mile stretch of uh, highway in Point, uh, in Point Coop Parish on Monday. Uh, this is in Louisiana. As motorists drove over and around them, state biologists are trying to determine what led to the deaths of the estimated 500 red-winged blackbirds and starlings in Louisiana. Um, one uh, just down the road from... Uh, the Central High School there, the discovery of the dead birds, some of which were lying face down, clumped in big groups, while others were face up with their wings outstretched and rigid legs pointing upward, comes just three days after, uh, of course, there was um, some 5,000 blackbirds that had died in Arkansas. Let's see. Uh, they, uh, they've they performed, let's see... Um, they, they've done uh, some uh, research on these birds. They've looked into this, tried to figure out what's going on. They show that the birds suffered from internal injuries that formed blood clots leading to their deaths, according to the Associated Press. In Louisiana, biologists with the State Department of Wildlife and uh, Fisheries spent part of the day on Monday scooping up some of the birds uh, from Point Coop Parish to be sent for testing at labs in Georgia and Wisconsin. The remaining corpses were still on the roadway and on the shoulder and in drainage ditches Monday afternoon. So some motorists sped past uh, flattening the wings that were lying in the road. I mean, this is just depressing. State wildlife veterinarian Jim LaCour said that he planned to drive uh, to pick up some of the uh, remaining bird carcasses. Lab tests could take several weeks to come up with an explanation for the death, said LaCour, who declined to speculate on possible causes. However, he did say that massive bird deaths have been known to occur in the state in the past, albeit in smaller numbers. Quote, underlying disease, starvation, and cold fronts where birds can't get their body heat up, that caused similar occurrences. But the ones in Arkansas had uh, massive internal injuries, which I don't think that's really consistent with any of that. Massive internal injuries really wouldn't be consistent with disease, certainly. Really wouldn't be consistent with, I don't know, it just wouldn't be consistent with any of those aforementioned uh, scenarios. So you've got that going on. you got birds just uh, randomly keeling over in the state of Arkansas and in Louisiana and just randomly dying fish, which again leads one to speculate what the hell is going on over there. It's already been a strange start to the new year, that's for sure. All right, we've got to take a break. And when we come back, we get into more stuff. I got uh, still lots of things to uh, to talk about here. Lots of strangeness happening. Get you the Michael Grave Show stupid news file. And also, I have right over here, right over here, I have it, my Mega Millions ticket. That's right, baby. $355 million. That is the estimated jackpot for tonight's Mega Millions jackpot. I am I'm ready to win me some big time cash. I'm ready to win me some $355 million. I, I tell you this. 
Maybe not every aspect of my life would get better with, with that much money, but you know what? I think just about any problem I had would be solved. I could buy any any solution to any problem with 355 mil. Oh, sure, the cash value is only about 240 million or so. I guess I could suffer with 240 million dollars. I guess. I mean, I guess I could slog through with that. I didn't even what would I even do with that kind of money? I mean, I wouldn't even begin to know what to I mean, I actually do have an idea as to what I would do. A lot of people in my life would be getting uh, a lot of money. All right, so we'll take a break and uh, come back. Uh, yeah, uh, the uh, the it's about to it's about to happen. I should go and check that out during the break. Take a look at the drawing. See what's uh, <laughs> see if I won. If I won, would I continue to do this podcast? Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't do this podcast because I would just buy a radio station and I would just do this show on a on a on a station. I could buy myself a syndication deal. Why not? I'd buy a couple of stations, maybe, uh, f maybe, uh, maybe, uh, f I don't know. Figure that out. We'll see. All right, break time. Mike at KMGX.com. Email address. That's also our PayPal address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Your most generous monetary contributions. Always appreciated. AOL Instant Messenger. Michael Groff Show. The screen name. Take a break. Come back. It's the one and only zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Show coming from the Common Sense Party. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. You're hot and you're cold, you're yes and you're no, you're in and you're out, you're up and you're down. You're right and you're wrong, when it's wrong, you're right and it's back. You're hot and you're cold, you're yes and you're no, you're in and you're out, you're up and The zip code famous Michael Grav show, Mike at KMGX.com. Email and PayPal address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Grav show, the screen name. MichaelGrav.com for everything else exciting, uh, Michael Grav related, and so very much more. Thank you for joining us. Always do appreciate it here in 2011, our first show of the brand new year. I'm, uh, you know, hopefully we uh, we have more than like five shows this year. That would be <laughs> that would be good. That would be fantastic. All right. Uh, well, one thing that's about to happen, one thing that's going to be going down here in the next. Uh, well, tomorrow actually. Tomorrow is the we get to uh, we have the one hundred twelfth 
Congress beginning tomorrow. Oh, how exciting is that? Boy, and, and after the 111th Congress was so great. Do you know the, the most recent Congress? Here's some stats on the most recent uh, congressional session. You know, they spent more money than any other Congress in the history of the United States, uh, racking up a debt, uh, racking up nearly $3 trillion in debt during their time uh, as the that two-year period, the House and Senate together managed to uh, spend about three trillion bucks. Okay, let's let's uh, let's look at it this way. Here's how much money they spent. They spent more money in two years than the United States of America spent in the first two hundred fourteen years of its existence, from seventeen seventy six to nineteen ninety. The United States managed to rack up that much debt. Uh, the two years of this uh, particular Congress, yeah, they did that. They did what it took America its first 214 years to do. It took them only two years to spend that much money. And uh, moreover, here's the best part. So, and of course, you know, you, you look at the Obama administration, you look how much money, because everybody points at how much money the previous administration spent. Well, the Obama administration, uh, now the debt clock as of last Friday, just before the new year, just as the ball was about to drop in Times Square, uh, and at uh, just before then, the debt clock officially rolled over to fourteen trillion dollars. We now have over fourteen trillion dollars in debt in the United States. And uh, subsequently, uh, yeah, that took place last Friday, and now that's uh, that's happened with a Democratic-controlled House for the last four years. The House makes the budget. A Democrat president in the White House for the last two years. He approves said budget and a Democrat supermajority in the Senate. Well, a near supermajority in the Senate for a while. It was a supermajority and then it was near supermajority status. Uh, so, uh, again, this is all I, I don't know. Of course, there's there's still plenty of blame to go around everywhere. Naturally, there has to be. But let's look at it this way. Uh, we've had a uh, we've had a. You know, the, the legislative and executive branches of this government controlled by the Democrats now. And, uh, of course, tomorrow that all changes. Uh, but you can see the kind of debt that was racked up during that time. I'm just saying. I'm just pointing it out. The Republicans racked up a whole bunch of debt. And now the Democrats are racking up a bunch of debt. It's exactly as I told you. This is what happens when you elect the same kind of people. And when I say the same kind of people, I mean, it doesn't matter if they're Republican or Democrat. If they're a spend-happy person, if they're going to have all these appropriations and earmarks, if they're not going to be fiscally responsible, if all they're going to do is go out there and continue to fund uh, the, the ever-growing defense budget, the ever-growing, uh, just this, this bottomless pit that we have for entitlement programs and health care and all of this stuff. And, you know, the, the worst part is, is that, you know, and, and, and illegal immigration and not doing anything about that. And all this all this other stuff that we have just we're just throwing money away at. And, uh, and and of course, all the foreign aid that we continue to just dole out left and right. We're going to continue to do this. And, uh, yeah, both parties, these are the same people that you keep electing. You keep electing the people that do this kind of thing. Be they Democrat or Republican. And that just this is just more proof. 
And it just seems it's a pissing contest between who can outspend who. And now we're going to find out if the Republicans are going to stand up for what they believe in. We're going to find out just how conservative these guys really are when they take over starting tomorrow. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about what's going to happen. Are they going to change the rules on the filibuster in the Senate? Is that really going to happen? Uh, are, are, are we going to have to... Uh, and, you know, the reason that they're changing the rules on the filibuster is because, well... Uh, the party that's in power gets to make the rules. That's basically how it always works. That's how it works in the House and in the Senate. And uh, now this is just another new toy, another new power play we're going to put in into effect. And now there's even talk about uh, amending the Constitution again. I, I heard some talk about wanting to uh, write the 28th Amendment, whereby... Get this. Now, this is scary. And I can't believe that anybody, whether especially a conservative, would ever propose this idea. But there's an idea now for the 28th Amendment to the Constitution that says if a state uh, doesn't like what Congress says, if a state doesn't like a law that's passed by Congress, uh, they can choose to ignore it. As long as a two-thirds majority in that state say so. And I believe that that would come down to two thirds of the people in that state. So let's say, for example, let's say, for example, that Congress said um, it is uh, against the law. Let's just say that Congress uh, Congress decided to uh, do something which would never this would never happen. OK, let's just say, though, let's just say that Congress put a ban on assault weapons, for example. Not that this would ever happen in the United States, but let's just say for the for the sake of argument that it did. So Congress bans assault weapons. And then the state of Texas says the people in the state decide they're going to go out and they vote. And a two thirds majority says, yeah, well, we don't like that law. Well, guess what? Now that federal law no longer applies to the state. Now, a part of me is a little bit conflicted because, of course, in the United States Constitution, there is the Tenth Amendment, which does give the states rights, certainly. However, the Constitution is littered with the phrase, and this is a phrase that is repeated in the Constitution frequently, never mind all the various parts of the Constitution which would uh, you know, tell us otherwise, like that Congress has the power to levy taxes, uh, Article uh, 1, Section 8, and everything like that. But uh, there's also the phrase, Congress shall make no law. For example, when it comes to limiting speech, Congress shall make no law which which limits your speech, which limits your right to keep and bear arms, which limits, uh, you know, Congress shall make no law. If Congress, which is the highest legislative body in the land, cannot make a law that restricts something, then a state cannot make a law that restricts something. They cannot make a law that restricts your basic, your First Amendment rights, your Second Amendment rights, etc., um, but the problem here is that if you let states just have carte blanche, then really you don't have a federal government anymore. The, what, what happens is, is that the federal government, the, the Congress becomes ostensibly useless and that each state almost becomes its own country. Yes, it's still under the purview of the United States and they can still get federal funds and they're still all united in a sense. But each state becomes its own country. Now, you might say, well, how is that different than what it is now? Well, at least now, federal law applies uniformly throughout the country for the most part. Uh, yes, some states decide whether or not they're going to strictly enforce federal law or not. For example, in the state of California, 
if you have marijuana, they don't bust you on a federal offense because the state has a law that says medical marijuana is okay. Even though it's still against the federal law, the feds have decided they're not going to enforce that. Okay, fine. But, uh, you know, when you have, if you have this scenario, this 28th Amendment scenario that uh, has been proposed, under that scenario, you would basically have each state becoming its own country. It would, it would become almost its own breakaway republic. It'd be chaotic. It'd just be insane. I mean, the next step after that is that states then just write their own. Now, each state has its own constitution as it is. But then each state could just decide to uniformly ignore certain amendments of the Constitution. I mean, why not? Once you start ignoring Congress, why not just start ignoring the Supreme Court? Why not just start ignoring? Uh, why not just start ignoring the the Constitution of the United States itself and just go by your own state's Constitution? That could happen, and that's a very realistic scenario. If you start amending the Constitution like this, that would be bad. It's just like the filibuster rules. Oh, we need filibuster reform. You know, it's weird. When the Democrats were in the minority and uh, they wanted a filibuster, well, you know, it was okay. The filibuster rules were okay then. But now, because the Republicans have tried to oppose some of their measures, uh, when they're in the minority, they're like, well, uh, you know, we, 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 have to, we, have to, we have to have some substantial filibuster reform. What's happening is, first of all, the Democrats have sour grapes. They, they have sour grapes because they couldn't get very much done uh, in spite of the fact that they had a, a basically a supermajority in Congress. They're upset by that, so now they're going to make it even easier to steamroll any opposition. The problem is, is they better realize that they might be in the minority very, very soon, not just in the House, as they already are, but in the Senate as well, because the Senate, they lost seats there. And uh, there are more seats up in 2012, and uh, there is indications, at least as of right now, and again, we're mercifully, we're still uh, about uh, 23, 22 months away from uh, the 2012 election. But even so, even right now, the, the tide of the country is again turning. The pendulum is shifting back the other direction. And that is something that uh, we have to keep a, an eye on. Of course, the Republicans are talking about repealing health care. Well, look, you're not going to get that done. The president is not going to allow that to happen. I think for the Republicans to even try and, and do that would just be a waste of time at this point. Number one, it would never, the, repealing it, it would never get through the Senate. Even if it did, it would never make it to the president's desk. What the House could do, however, is because the House controls the checkbook of the United States of America, the House could just decide not to fund the health care system. This uh, whatever system that uh, they've put through. So they could just opt not to fund it. But if I know Congress the way I know Congress, if I know the House of Representatives the way I do, I'm pretty sure that they're still going to fund it anyway. Why not? All right, so that's something. Um, speaking of that, uh, coming up, the other thing that we uh, that we have right around the corner is Congress is going to have to raise the debt ceiling in this country. Now, you may have heard that discussed before, and you may say, well, what does that even mean? What does it mean for Congress to raise the debt ceiling? Well, what that means is that uh, there's a certain amount of money that the United States can borrow according to Congress. 
this this is the amount of money that they can borrow. And once we reach that limit, then we can't borrow anymore. Then we have to either default or we have to we have to do something. And we have to start paying back with the default on loans. Well, since the federal debt went over the $14 trillion mark, we're, we're approaching the debt ceiling again. So Congress has to get together and uh, decide to raise the debt ceiling. This was done a couple of years ago. And Republicans are talking about this now. And they're saying, look, we're not going to allow this to happen. We're not going to allow the debt ceiling to be raised again. Uh, the debt, uh, the, the current debt ceiling is fourteen trillion two hundred ninety-four billion dollars. Fourteen point two nine four trillion. The federal government would have to stop borrowing. They would have to default on obligations if Republicans do what they claim. At least some Republicans do what they claim they're going to do and uh, decide to block any. Any measure that would raise the debt ceiling. And they could do it because they control the House now. I mean, if they all got together and did it. However, I think most Republicans wouldn't do it. It's an interesting idea. Um, we shouldn't be in this kind of situation in the first place. And here's the thing. And longtime listeners to this show, I have to tell you, uh, I'm just, I'm done with the war in Iraq and the wars in Afghanistan and, and all of our military operations outside the U.S. I'm just done. I'm spent. You know, I'm really, I've had it. And you look at our federal budget and 47% of the annual budget goes to military spending. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these dudes that thinks that we should just abolish the military or anything like that. I understand the importance of having a strong military and a strong defense for this country. But really, honestly, why do we need troops in Germany? Why do we need troops in Japan? Why do we need troops in Guam? Yeah, I know. Guam's a U.S. territory. Yeah, okay. Do we need tens of thousands of troops in all of those places? Do we need, do we really need 20,000 people in Germany or Japan? Do we really need all that in South Korea? Look, if North Korea decides to go nuts, South Korea is going to fall whether we have 30,000 troops there or not. Do we still, we have military bases in Saudi Arabia, for God's sake. Well, according to the WikiLeaks documents, they want us there. Even though they always protest and they always make it seem like they don't want us there, they really want us there. They want us to take out Ahmadinejad in Iran. But I say enough. I say, okay, we're not going to be in your face anymore. We're, we're taking our bases. We're picking up our bat and ball and glove and we're going home. That's what we're doing. And I would say that this would be in the best interest of the United States if we actually just decided to do that. And if we just said, all right, you know what, Afghanistan, we're done. And if we want to look for Osama bin Laden or if we want to look for uh, terror cells and we want to do our investigation, we can still use our intelligence. We're still going to use our spying. We're still going to use our satellites. We're still going to use our drones. We're still going to use our spy planes. We're just not going to commit all these troops. We're going to have spec ops teams that go over there and we're going to do our jobs that way. Uh, if we want to take out Iran's uh, nuclear ambitions, we'll just use a spec ops team and do it that way. Uh, we'll fly some drones around if we have to. But we're not going to commit tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of troops to these operations anymore. It's just enough already. It's enough. And I'm telling you, that's how I feel about all these uh, military operations now. I'm just, I'm done. 
I mean, I even said this back in 2003. I said, okay, fine. You want to get rid of Saddam Hussein? Fine. Once that's done, we should just be done with all of this. You know, we don't really need to be there. The Taliban. Are we really that afraid of the Taliban anymore? Are we really that afraid of Al-Qaeda? I mean, Al-Qaeda, yes, they're, they're a legit uh, terror outfit and everything. But I'm more afraid of Hezbollah, quite frankly, or Hamas. I'm more afraid of Iran than I am of the Taliban or Al-Qaeda. So let's have a, a... And I bet, you know, here's the other thing, too. I bet if we got rid of all of our military bases over there, okay, fine, we, we want to have a military base in Israel, fine. Israel is a legitimate ally. Israel wants us there, okay. But instead of Israel, instead of giving Israel money, Israel should be giving us money. They want our help. They should be paying us. And that's the other point to this is that it's enough of the foreign aid already. I mean, if we if we cut back, if we cut in half, look, let's face it. If there's a World War III, do you really think we're going to need a million troops? Do you really think we're going to need all of these guys on the ground? No, World War III is not going to be fought that way. Uh, I was just reading um, a few days ago about uh, the the Chinese. They have a um, they have uh, more uh, surface to air missiles. They have some new missiles that'll just uh, destroy aircraft carriers, like one missile, basically, not a nuke, just a regular missile to, to take out our, our aircraft carriers. You know, the Chinese are developing uh, all sorts of, of new technology. Look, if World War III were to break out, whoever it is that starts it or wh whatever it is that starts it, even if it's not necessarily World War III, but let's just say, let's say Iran gets their nuke and they finally, they develop a, a long range or even a medium range missile. They decide, well, we can't really hit the United States, so we're going to just hit Israel with it. And then Israel retaliates. The United States retaliates because we're sworn to protect Israel. So we fire back a missile there. We're not going to send troops in to Iran to take them over. We're just going to we're just going to fire off some cruise missiles. We're going to just fire off a couple of nukes. We're just going to fire off a couple of a uh, couple of tactical strikes. And then that's it. So, but in the 21st century, you don't need, the, if you want to spend some money, most of the money shouldn't be spent on the troops themselves. It should be spent on people to do research on new technology, new, building new satellites, uh, more drones, and, uh, and that kind of thing. It's that simple. 47% of our budget every year goes to military spending. I mean, you got to cut that back. I mean, we, there's a lot of other cuts that we need to make, too. That's where the fiscal responsibility comes in. And that's my whole point about this debt ceiling situation is uh, the debt ceiling. We don't need to keep raising it if we would just make some cuts and really tighten our belts in this country. People say, oh, we need to raise taxes. We really don't. Really don't. If you make some, some big cuts here and a, and a few sacrifices in the budget, you don't really need to raise taxes. We collect a lot of money. White House economic advisor Austin Goolsby warned yesterday that it would be catastrophic if the U.S. government uh, was to default on its financial obligations. Quote, that would be the first default in history caused purely by insanity, said Goolsby of uh, plans to block an increase in the debt ceiling. Well, the problem is, is if you increase the debt ceiling, I mean, at what point do we stop increasing the debt ceiling? At what point does Congress actually have to stand up and say, okay, it's enough. We've raised the debt ceiling as far as we can possibly go. Speaking of Congress, 
in 2010, you know this? 20 to the, the, I guess we could say that Congress has passed a lot of laws. It is true. There's been a lot of new, well, not just, not just uh, federally speaking, but uh, from state to state also. There have been a lot of new laws passed. I was just looking at this. This is uh, just sort of a, uh, something I saw on New Year's Day that uh, the United States, we have passed more laws in the last year than at any other time in, in our history. In the last couple of years, I should say, among the uh, the newest far-reaching pieces of legislation is the new federal health care law, of course, new taxes on drug makers, as well as a lower prescription drug costs for many seniors, and restrictions on tax-free medical spending. Um, so you all know about that. Another law, this is a federal law, gives borrowers more specific information on the interest rates they pay on credit cards and. Uh, other loans, which I like. Beginning this year, consumers have the right to find out why they didn't get the best possible terms on a credit card or non-business loan. Credit card companies and other lenders must provide a risk-based pricing notice or a credit score to explain the reasoning behind interest rates. That's good. I'm going to give Congress some props for that. Good. Federal regulators will begin requiring new and upgraded power plants, oil refineries, and other large facilities to hold uh, permits to release greenhouse gases, whatever. State legislatures, now get this, state legislatures passed about 31,000 new laws in 2010, which is actually down slightly from the previous year. Many of those laws took effect uh, at the start of this year, and many reflect the potential misuse of computers. For example, Illinois uh, lawmakers enacted a law aimed at catching people who use webcams to engage in virtual sex acts with children. California made it illegal to intimidate, threaten, or otherwise defraud someone using a website. I, always, I thought that that was already a law, but apparently California needs more redundant laws. States passed laws last year to directly address cyberbullying and the use of technology to steal identities and misrepresent who you are online, said Megan Dorsch, who is the director of public affairs for the National Conference of State Legislatures, a bipartisan group that offers data and research to legislate uh, to legislatures nationwide. There are a lot of examples of states expanding their current laws to try to protect the public while they engage in new technology, she said. Some states have taken aim at increasingly common technological scourge uh, to uh, uh, the use of cell phones while driving, for example. Delaware, Kansas, and Kentucky join more than two dozen other states in making it illegal to send text messages while driving. I love how... Uh, I love how legislative uh, branches across the country are actually taking time out of their sessions to pass such stupid laws. We already have laws in this country against distracted driving, and yet somehow we have to pass even more laws about text messages. And this leads to a point I'm going to make in a second. In Kentucky, uh, there's a fine of $25 for the first offense and $50 for each subsequent offense if you're caught texting while driving. In Kansas where enforcement of a texting law began on Saturday. Drivers face a minimum fine of $50 if you're caught texting while driving. And no one under 18 can use a cell phone while driving. 
Uh, efforts to ban public smoking continued in 2010. In Missouri, the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County prohibited smoking in most bars and restaurants beginning this year. I guess that's when it started. Yeah, here in uh, 2011. Joining many other states, states also targeted gun use restrictions. In Iowa, local sheriffs will have less discretion to reject gun permit applications. I know here in the state of Arizona, for example, we we made it so now you don't have to have a permit to carry a concealed weapon. In Wisconsin, a law took effect Saturday to collect statistics to determine if law enforcement officers are stopping and searching drivers based on their race. The law requires officers to report the age, gender, and ethnicity of the driver and passengers. How stupid. In Indiana, a new law this year prohibits people from dumping computers and electronics for trash pickups. Such electronics, which uh, contain mercury and other hazardous substances, are now barred from being incinerated or placed in landfills. Some states also took aim at a uh, synthetic cannabinoid similar to the active ingredient marijuana THC. This is called K2. I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's this the K2, which I guess has a similar effect kind of to uh, to pot. But not, I, I don't know, but I, I guess the substance is being made in uh, illegal in uh, many states. 17 states actually have taken action to make uh, K2 against the law. This year also marks the start of the race to implement many of the key parts of the Dodd-Frank financial overhaul bill passed last summer at the uh, first shareholder meeting that occurs after January 21st. For example, the SEC registered firms must provide a non-binding say on pay vote regarding executive compensation. And other laws as well. What's my point in all this? What's my point in bringing up all these new laws that are passed? The United States, as a nation, has more laws than any other country. The United States has just under 5% of the world's population. And yet we have 25% of the world's prisoners. We make up 25% of all incarcerated persons on the planet. We have approximately 1.7 million people incarcerated in this country. Um, so that's that's a huge number. That doesn't necessarily even include people that are uh, out on probation. That doesn't necessarily include, but that just includes incarcerated and uh, house arrest. 1.7 million people. We're, uh, we're ahead of Russia. Russia is next on the list of uh, the most people in jail. So I bring it up again. The United States, we passed states, states passed 31,000 laws last year. We are a nation of laws, that's for sure. And, I, you know, I'm a law-abiding citizen, but, I mean, even I have to tell you, I mean, it's, it's kind of getting a little bit ridiculous with the number of laws. Again, think about that. We have less than 5% of the world's total population, about four, what is it, four, like 4.7% or something, and yet we have 25% of the world's prison population. Should tell you something. And of course, you know, a lot of those people that we have in jail, a lot of those people that are in jail, um, well, the, the, the number one, 
the number one crime or the number one thing that people are in jail for in this country is violating immigration law. Uh, people that have uh, violated drug offenses, that's uh, several, that's uh, a couple hundred thousand people are in jail for drug offenses. That's good. Although some of those drug offenses also happen to go along, they correspond with other more substantial crimes. However, the fact that we have anybody in jail for drug offenses, especially marijuana offenses, which we do have, that's ridiculous. So that's just my point. My point in all this. I thought I'd just bring that up that uh, too many laws. <laughs> no, really, man. We, we really, this is, uh, this is just a, a thing that I was thinking about and I, I came across this story. So I decided to do a little research and I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that we have such a, a an overwhelming um, population of people in jail. And I couldn't believe the number of people that were in jail for drug offenses, although it's not nearly as many as I thought. Still quite a few. And as for making this K2 substance illegal, which again, it's it's sort of like, it's like a marijuana light is what I'm told. Although uh, I also have, uh, I've also read that it's, um, I don't know, it just depends on what source you go to. It depends on what you read. I mean, some people say it's it's worse. Some people say it's better. Some people say it's more harmful. Some people say it's not. Then again, some people tell you marijuana is harmful and contains. Um, well, here's here's a, here's something that I found too. This this is another thing that I came across uh, a couple of days ago. Now uh, they're concerned about people that smoke marijuana because uh, sometimes some of this marijuana grows uh, in soil that is heavy with mercury. So you could also be smoking some mercury with your weed. I don't think so. Give me a break. I mean, you know. They'll say anything to try and keep marijuana illegal. They're going to say, yeah, you're going to get Mad Hatter disease if you smoke marijuana. I heard a guy on the radio actually say this. I heard a guy on the radio. He basically read off that, you know, you're going to, if you smoke marijuana, you're essentially smoking the entire periodic table. He pretty much listed almost everything that's in there. And, uh, and I thought, well, wait, salad, lettuce, we put pesticides on that. We put pesticides, we put poison and chemicals on the mushrooms and the lettuce and the onions and the tomato and the cucumbers and, uh, and everything else that we eat in a salad. And yet we're concerned that there, that some of the weed that's grown in, in near uh, volcanoes in some parts of the world, it's in like volcanic ash. And so it's, it's higher, it's somewhat higher in mercury concentration. So people are going to suddenly get mad hatter disease. People that smoke weed are suddenly going to go mad. Give me a physical break. Those same people, they'll sit there and they'll tell you that, that marijuana is evil. And that uh, it's got all these chemicals in it. So it is much more harmful than cigarettes and tobacco. Meanwhile, we put pesticides on that other stuff. We put pesticides on our food. And they say, well, you know, these are uh, these pesticides. They're proven not to harm anybody. Really? I don't know. They kill off the bugs pretty well. I'd be a little bit leery about it. I mean, yeah, I still eat salad. But see, I don't care. If I smoke weed and I wind up getting Mad Hatter disease because I smoked weed that had mercury in it, well, then so be it. I guess, I guess I'm, I'm meant to die. Give me a break. Sorry, uh, tobacco with over 70 known carcinogens. Even 
begrudgingly, even the folks at Philip Morris sort of have to concede this. I'm sorry, that's far more dangerous. <laughs> K2, I really don't know much about. Why you're making it illegal? Well, because, again, we have the morality monitors out there. The morality monitors that tell you that, you know, it's, it's, it's an evil drug. Anything that alters your state of mind should be illegal. What about alcohol? Well, no, not alcohol. All right, well, what about, uh, what about tobacco? Well, no, no, not tobacco either. Because that provides jobs and we can tax it. Well, we could tax weed too. Well, no, weed is evil. Okay, weed is evil. Let me let me make sure I get the let me make sure I get the talking point right. Weed's bad. Tobacco though, that's good. It causes birth defects. It causes cancer. It causes hardening of the arteries. It causes uh, causes uh, other diseases, kidney disease, liver disease. Not to mention the fat stains teeth. To, chewing tobacco, uh, you you could lose your teeth. Get that friggin' hole in the side of your head, in your throat. You have a tracheotomy as a result of tobacco. You don't get any of that from, from weed. Okay, so so weed's bad. Tobacco is okay, even though it causes all that. And certainly alcohol is fine, even though this new year, another, well, let's see here. From Thanksgiving to New Year's, 7,800 people were arrested is this right? 7,800 people in this state were, were arrested for DUI. Not a single story about a guy getting pulled over for smoking weed while driving, though. Huh. So again, to recap, weed's bad. Alcohol with the DUIs and the people that, you know, that abuse it and uh, all of the, uh, the, the um, Al-Anon meetings that go on out there. Well, that's all fine. And tobacco is fine. Weed's bad, and this K2 must be even worse. And certain energy drinks are bad, too. And they've been banning some of those energy drinks as well, just because of their names. They banned an energy drink called cocaine. We can't have the kids uh, seeing a product called cocaine uh, in a store. I mean, that... That, that could just destroy the youth. It could destroy the entire fabric of this nation. Sometimes I wonder, I wonder what planet people live on. I swear, if there was a way that I could just get myself out of here and go to Mars, if I could just go and live on Mars and get away from, from the insanity of this human race, sometimes I would. I swear, I really, really would. I, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I want off this ride. <laughs> People are crazy. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email and PayPal address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Groff Show, the screen name. Thinking over. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. And we'll be back. I've been searching for a reason And I'm running out of time I can feel that it's the season It's time to make up my mind And I can't really tell you what I'm gonna do There are so many thoughts in my head There are two roads to walk down and 
number three. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Tuesday, January 4th, 2011. Can't change your mind. I'm probably going to screw up. I'm going to sign a check tomorrow, 2010, I'm sure. You know, I'll, I'll probably screw up and say it on the show a couple of times, too. I just hope I don't label it wrong. Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for your generous contributions to this program, monetarily speaking. We uh, always appreciate that. If you love this show, if you want to hear more of it, uh, if you uh, just feel that I'm that awesome that you would love to contribute to this show, always that is encouraged. Again, via PayPal, Mike at KMGX.com for donations. Also, AOL Instant Messenger for more instant gratification. You can do that. Uh, Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. And uh, everything else Michael Groff related, the one, the only, MichaelGroff.com, the website goddess that I love so much, uh, should eventually will work on that site here in 2011. There you go. All right. This is just like reason number 586 that I don't go to Mexico anymore. Especially, there are certain places in Mexico you just never want to go. Like Juarez, for example. Tijuana is another place that I know people say, ah, oh, come on, man, let's go to Tijuana. Yeah, probably right now, not so much. Uh, right now, probably not a good idea, especially when I read a story about how uh, there's a guy's head like somebody's head, it just they they got decapitated and it's just sitting uh, on a uh, like on a pole along the roadside. Yeah, that probably doesn't make for a great travel brochure. I don't think it does anyway. Mexico is not a place I'd really want to go right now. Like I, I've been to Mexico before. Okay, I've been to I've been to Rocky. I've been all over Sonora. I've been down to Hermosillo. Uh, I've been over toward the Baja. I haven't really been all the way down. You know, obviously I haven't been down to. Um, you know, uh, Cabo, or I haven't been uh, all the way down to like the Yucatan Peninsula or anything like, uh, uh, you know, Cancun or anything, but I have been over Northwest Mexico and I, and for the most part, Northwest Mexico is a dump. Uh, it is, it's really bad. Now there are nice parts. It's just that there's a lot of parts that are, that are dumpy. And not even dumpy like uh, like South Phoenix dumpy or South Central L.A. dumpy where it's scary. I'm talking like third world kind of scary. Now, I've never been to Tijuana. However, um, just this picture alone in this article is, is enough to tell me 
you know what? Uh, I don't really want to go there. And then when I read this account, I definitely don't want to go there. When a story about Mexico starts out with gunmen opened fire, generally that's going to be a good indication I don't want to go there. Gunmen opened fire on people gathered on a street corner in the northern city of Monterey, killing two adults and a 13-year-old boy, authorities said Tuesday. See, I could have very well just said that this was in Baghdad and it would have sounded just as normal. Uh, the boy's twin brother and two men were uh, also wounded in the attack Monday night. This according to the Nuevo Leon State. Authorities had no immediate suspects. While the motive was unclear, Mexican drug cartels have recruited younger and younger members. The government has increasingly detained youths under 18 for drug-related crimes. Last month, authorities arrested a 14-year-old boy who they alleged worked as a, an assassin for a drug gang in central Mexico. Monterey's Mexico's third largest city has been uh, besieged by fighting between the Gulf Cartel and the Zetas, or the Zetas drug gang. In Apodaca, another town, a shooting broke out Monday night between Marines and suspected cartel gunmen. One Marine and one suspect were injured. Uh, though not seriously, the Mexico, the, the Mexican Navy said in a statement that five suspected members of the Zetas were arrested, including a minor. A spokeswoman for the town government said that electricity and telephone service went down for three hours during the shootout. Uh, during the, the cause of that was unclear. Let's see what else here. Gunmen used vehicles to block five roads in Apudaca a common cartel tactic to implode movement of government security forces, according to the town's spokeswoman, who spoke on condition of anonymity. Probably because she didn't want to get killed. That's what's happening in, in Mexico. That's what's happening in Monterey. That's what's happening in Tijuana. That's what's happening in uh, Juarez. That's what's happening all across northern Mexico. These drug cartels, and these are the same drug cartels that are coming into the United States. And once again, it just proves the point about how uh, our war on drugs yeah, we're if this is the war on drugs that we that Ronald Reagan started and Bush and Clinton and Bush and Obama continue to perpetuate and the United States government continues to perpetuate and the Mexican government's been fighting. If this is the war on drugs, we are losing. Make no mistake. Yeah, we're clearly combating this war in definitely the wrong way. That sounds familiar. Yes, we're trying to fight drug cartels. And as you can see, that's working out real well. You know what uh, always is going to lose in a drug war? The law of supply and demand. The law of supply and demand is always going to keep the drug war going because you can try and stop it. The government can try and stop the flow of drugs all at once. But if people want it, they're going to get it. And if people really want it really badly then people are probably going to die to make sure that other people get it. And uh, gee, rather than try and decriminalize things and rather than try and get the government involved and maybe help regulate something like this, no, let's, I think, I think we're doing a bang-up job. I think Mexico is really doing a bang-up job also. These drug cartels. Now, again, I'm not talking about making uh, coke and heroin and uh, meth legal. But you know, a lot of this is pot as well. People are literally getting killed over marijuana. I mean, think about how silly that is.
Yeah, I know there's a lot of harder drugs involved in here as well. And I know that the smuggling of pharmaceuticals goes on. I know all of that. So I, I understand that it's not just about that. But it's just really my point in all of this is it's just another reason not to go to Mexico. And this is why that uh, the United States continues to issue travel advisories against going to Juarez, uh, Monterey, Tijuana. Hell, I, even at this point, uh, going down to Rocky Point or going down to Cabo or going down to some of these other places could be potentially a bad situation. I mean, once you get farther into Mexico, you're probably going to be okay, but you have to get past like that 50, 60, 70 mile buffer once you get over the border. Well, actually, even once you get near the border, even on the U.S. side of the border, because some of these cartels, they've taken over parts of uh, of the open desert and parts of the of the forest and parts of the uh, the, the hills down there. In uh, the southern portions of Arizona and Southern California and New Mexico and Texas, they've taken over some of those places and uh, they run those places. And the sheriff's office in those respective counties, they don't even bother to try and do anything. So people down there that have ranches or farmland or whatever, they have to take matters into their own hands and they have to protect their property and their own lives against this kind of thing. Yeah, this is a great billboard, a great advertisement for me wanting to go to Mexico. A, a, a stellar advertisement. Come to Monterey and get shot. Come to Monterey and see a guy's uh, decapitated head just sitting on a pole. I don't know. Uh, to me, uh, you know, great vacation spots have uh, beautiful scenery, a nice uh, uh, romantic uh, getaway maybe. Uh, maybe you, you, go, uh, you go check out the mountains. You go and hang out. Uh, you're alone. Uh, you know, uh, there's uh, quiet, maybe, or maybe a trip to, I don't know, Las Vegas, or maybe a trip, I don't know, anywhere else, but where gunfire is breaking out and there's a head sitting at a pole someplace. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think, I don't think that's in too many, I don't think too many travel agents are getting that. Hey, why don't you send me to that place where they, there's the head that's up on the pole? Yeah, were those guys where that where that uh, shooting broke out? Yeah, and there's like uh, a thousand shell casings just laying on the ground. It's beautiful there. I really, I want to go there. Come on, let's let's do it. And from the really weird, and this is going to bring back a flashback to anybody that's been a uh, well, a somewhat recent listener. The last couple of years, we did a story. This will just jog your memory. All right, check this out. This is from uh, Linwood, Washington. A guy there says that he came within seconds of having his car broken into and perhaps stolen until a real-life superhero came to his aid wearing tights, a mask, and a skin-tight super suit. The encounter started in Linwood on Sunday evening when a man who asked to be identified only as Dan was working back I was walking back to his car in a parking lot when he saw a man with a metal strip trying to pry open his car. Quote, he started sticking it down between the window and the rubber strip, said Dan. Dan began to call 911 but said that help arrived immediately before he even finished dialing. Quote, from the right, this guy comes dashing in wearing his skin-tight rubber black and gold suit and starts chasing him away 
What Dan didn't know is that uh, just about every night, an anonymous Seattle man strolls into a comic store, enters a hidden back room, and emerges transformed. Eyewitness News uh, in Seattle, the reporter Monique Ming Levin uh, met the guy. His name is Phoenix Jones. That's one of these dudes. He dresses up as a superhero. He calls himself Phoenix Jones. That's not a very good superhero name. I have a feeling that's probably one of those uh, one of those DC comic things. Anyway, uh, the man is the hero Dan's been trying to tell his friends about. Quote, people are saying, no way, dude. You probably are drunk. But the superhero sounded familiar to Ming Levin. Uh, she said that she heard about how this guy and eight other members of his Rain City superhero crime fighting movement walk the street. Uh, they, they have their eyes open for crime and they're prepared to fight it. On Monday night, the fully clad superhero and Dan met. Quote, that's crazy. Nice, nice to meet you, brother. Nice to meet you. That's insane, said Dan, who finally got a close-up look at Phoenix Jones. The hero in question, Mr. Jones, explained that his whole supersuit, including a bulletproof vest and stab plates, he also has a taser stick and uh, a mace slash tear gas dispenser on him. Then, after the meeting, it was time for Phoenix to get back out on the streets. Maybe not quite a Superman, but an extraordinary one nonetheless. Can you imagine? A guy dresses up in a, in a superhero costume. He goes out. He's looking for crime, looking for trouble. And then when he sees it, he just chases the guys off. He has a taser. He has tear gas and mace. And this guy, he's out there. You're probably thinking maybe he's one of these nut jobs causing the crime in the first place. He's got a bulletproof vest on and stab plates. It's insane. And it brings back the memory, any of you that have listened to this show for a while, we have to go dig this up. It's in our uh, archives someplace. It's actually, this is funny that I, that I found this story today. Last night, I found a couple of lost episodes of the show. And one of the lost episodes of the show that I found was from, um, was from a while back. We did a story, we did a, a whole show or at least we, we did like an hour-long segment when, when we discovered that there was something called the National Superhero Registry. And so people would go on there and they would actually, these are people that think that they're superheroes. They have costumes and, and assume names and identities and everything. And, uh, and we were making fun of that for the better part of an hour. I have to go dig that up. For anybody that, that heard that segment, those are people that they, they loved that segment. That we did. This is, uh, I think it was last year sometime. Well, actually, it was 2009, I think, is when we did that segment. And uh, we, we chronicled just all of these different heroes, these different people that were listed on the National Superhero Registry. <laughs> Can you imagine? And I mean, it was uh, pretty insane people, clearly. Now, I'm not necessarily putting this guy down. I mean, I guess it's cool. The guy decides he's going to go out there and he's going to help out. But there is no justice like vigilante justice, I guess. But nonetheless, this guy's going to get himself killed. Phoenix says that since he started his crime-fighting crusade nine months ago, he's been stabbed and had a gun pulled on him a few times, but received no serious injuries. 
Unfortunately, he didn't catch up with the man who was attempting to break into Dan's car. And there's even more about this guy. Wonder if he's on the National Superhero Registry. That is that's a great story though in a lot of ways. Again, I'm not necessarily putting it down. I just it, I just think it's weird. I think it's just like what possesses a guy to go, "Okay, I'm going to dress up in uh, in these tights. I'm going to put on this uh, this outfit. I'm going to put on a bulletproof vest and stab plates and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to look for some crime fighting. You know, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to take the streets back. Now, see me, I would just go out there. If I was going to do that, I would just go out there. I wouldn't have some kind of super suit on or anything. I wouldn't want people to know. I'd just go out there with a gun or something. I don't know. Somehow, I don't think a guy with a taser stick and tear gas and mace is necessarily going to intimidate somebody that's set out to commit armed robbery or a guy that's a rapist. I don't know if that's necessarily going to uh, intimidate somebody enough to... uh, to chase them away. Well, I guess in this case it did. A petty thief, I suppose. But nonetheless, um, I, I don't know. I would be I would be very apprehensive about the whole thing. Pretty crazy. A superhero. It's kind of neat. Can you imagine though the cops show up? They, there's a guy wearing a, a, a crazy ass outfit like that. They're like, all right, um, you're coming with us. He's like, no, no, no. I'm trying to prevent the crimes, officer. Yeah, so why are you wearing uh, level four body armor and uh, stab plates? Well, because uh, that's my persona. I'm out here to fight the crime. Sure you are. Sure you are. All right, well, that about does it. Uh, Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address for this program. We always encourage your donations, generous as they may be, regardless of what it is. Five bucks, ten bucks, a hundred dollars. We've had listeners donate a hundred bucks before. That's cool. Anything. Certainly not picky here. Mike at KMGX.com. Again, the PayPal address. That's also our email address. We always encourage your feedback, your comments, questions, suggestions, anything of the sort. Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, the screen name, Michael Groff Show. Always available 24-7, 365. We try to keep that up for you so you can uh, send us uh, your comments. We respond to all comments, all questions, everything, including the death threats. So uh, keep all that coming in. We haven't gotten any good pieces of hate mail lately. The good news. Oh, some people commented on our year in review podcasts, though. Maybe on the next show we should get to some of those comments. Although a lot of people commented on the Glenn Miller portion, they uh, many people missed that show. I guess Glenn Miller, who was the guy that was running for Senate in the state of Missouri, he was running. Well, actually, he was running for U.S. Senate from the state of Missouri, uh, a write-in candidate. The guy's a nut, as it turns out. I will say this about the guy, though, and this is one thing that was also said in the email. Everybody said, well, you know, the one thing about that guy, he was an honest politician. There's no question that he was honest, and that's true. At least you knew exactly where that guy was coming from. There was no doublespeak there. Anything else Michael Graff related can be found at the one, the only Michael My website goddess will have that uh, improved and up and running. 
uh, eventually, we hope. Anyway, um, we will see you maybe tomorrow, I'm guessing, potentially, possibly, for another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. My voice, I don't know, it's, it's sounding a little ragged. I might need to drink something. Jack Daniels, perhaps? See you for another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grove Show. Have a great night, everybody.